Hello, welcome to the most dangerous podcast. How are you, James? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Just a bit tired. I've had a busy weekend up to Glasgow and back for the day to see my granny, and it was my youngest son's third birthday yesterday, so a bit tired, yeah, but ready for this anyway. Happy birthday, Teddy. Glasgow in a day, that's a long journey, that, isn't it? I know, yeah. I used to do it for the football um, many years ago, but I was a much younger man then. Yeah, so we're in the northwest, aren't we? So what's that? Four hours there, four hours back? Absolutely, yeah. Except with a three-year-old that's toilet training, it's probably more like five hours stopping and letting him pee on the wheel. Do you remember doing that as a kid? Uh, No. (laughs) I always, what I do enjoy about going, you know, like Burger King, right? Yeah. So I, I think Burger King is the best kind of fast food well, apart from the independent ones, but you know, you get like McDonald's, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I think Burger King is the best out of the lot. And I always just used to love going on like journeys. And this is why I like airports as well, because you don't seem to find Burger Kings anywhere else apart from on like in services or in mm-hmm. airports. Did you stop at a Burger King on the way? We didn't actually, no. So how's your week been? Yeah. All right. I've not done much, actually. The weather's crap, isn't it? I hate this time of year. I mean, I kind of, I like it a little bit. Because I do like the build-up to Christmas, and you get mm-hmm. a little bit excited, and you think, "Oh, it's a, it's a lovely time of year." So I prefer this to the sort of January, February time. Mm-hmm. But with the nights drawing in, and it's just it's Manchester. I live in Manchester. It's just constantly rains. It's cold. So yeah, just a bit depressing all around. I think. Yeah. See, I don't mind when it's properly cold and frosty. It's the sort of in between wet weather, windy bit that I don't like. Yeah, I'd rather that. I'd rather the. I'd rather winter. Or summer. Yeah. The in-between bit is just nonsense. The shit bit, isn't it? Yeah. So this week, um, we're going to look at food. Food. Okay. Everyone likes food. Well, yeah. It's, I suppose it's important, isn't it? A necessity. A necessity, yes. We're going to look at the most dangerous food. Now, we're going to call this, we're going to call this part one, because I think we'll revisit this one. Yeah, it's a big subject. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine there's a lot of dangerous food out there. Oh, there is, there is. Um, what I've looked at really, though, is is food that you can realistically go and sit and buy in a restaurant. Um, I know there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of food that you can find in the Amazon rainforest and stuff like that. And but I, I've really sort of looked at just stuff that you can walk into a restaurant, normal place, and order a plate of it. Okay, so it's not stuff that you have to go and visit a tribe to eat. It's stuff no. that you could actually go and just any layman can just go, right, I'll have this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay. So what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten? God, the weirdest food I've ever eaten. Um, see, I'm, I'm, I'm a really, really fussy eater, as you know. So not, I think we, of... uh, we did come across this in cheese, didn't we? Yeah. Not and, a lot uh, yeah, you're a bit, a bit, you're not you're adverse to risk, should we say, when it comes to the food department? No, I'm not a risk taker. Um, wow, I accidentally ate a spam sandwich once. <laughs> <laughs> spam, spam's nice. <laughs> All the rage in Japan. Um, and I think I mentioned that I ate caviar on um, flying first class to America. Um, you flew first class, did you? Yeah, I we did. We did a floor for a guy that was a pilot for Delta Airlines, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they upgraded us to first class. And do you know what was funny? I was, it was in December, and I'd turned eighteen in September, and we flew first class, and it was all the champagne you could drink free, but they wouldn't serve me because it was an American airline, and you had to be twenty-one. Twenty-one, what a bastard! bastard. What a bastard! I know, yeah, yeah, I know. drinking. Fucking Tropicana. <laughs> so, spam's the most advent- adventurous thing you've ever eaten, is it? I, I actually think possibly, yeah. I think I might have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You tell me yours and I'll think about mine. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you mine. I think this is it. So, my, my dad lived in France for a little while. Um, remember, he, yeah. he worked over there for a number of years, 10, 15 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to visit him one time and we went to a, a supermarket and we bought, just for the crack really, uh, some horse meat. Oh, uh, do you know what I have eaten horse meat? Oh, have you? All right. I mean, I'm sorry, horse lovers. I do apologize. I mean, it's a, it's a thing in France. It's mm-hmm. legal. We didn't just go to like some random people. <laughs> um 
yeah, so I have, again, apologise, I have eaten horse meat. And it was quite nice, actually. Quite gamey, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, as we've, again, discussed in the past, I lived in France and I I did eat a, a horse meat burger. Oh, did you? Yeah, I yeah. think it's, it's all right. I mean, um, I know, they're quite intelligent horses, aren't they? It's a bit, mm-hmm. I think, in retrospect, I'm a bit like, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, hey, I think I mentioned, actually, in a previous episode that if you're a meat eater... You're a meat eater, so you just got to go for it. Absolutely. I mean, I kept chickens for a little while. Um, just rescued three ex-battery hens, and they had so much personality, and they were quite good fun things to have as pets. So to say that one's stupid and should be killed, and one's intelligent and shouldn't be killed, I don't really believe that. You either kill animals and eat them, or you don't. Yeah. What happened to those chickens? That they all died. In your belly. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know, I used to watch them running about the garden whilst I was dicing chicken in the, the kitchen. Yeah, this'll be you one day. <laughs> but no, they all got um, bird flu. Oh, for real? But, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So, yeah, they're not that clever. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's not, it's, not, it's not intelligence whether you get an illness or, or not, is it? I suppose I suppose so. <laughs> Are you dead thick to your flu? <laughs> this week, um, I had a little bit of trouble with this because normally the first thing we do is actually look at the history of things. Yes. Now, h- how can you look at the history of food? Because as when the very first living being was on Earth, it had to eat something as its food. But what I looked at, when, when, when did humans actually start preparing food? So as opposed to catching something and just eating it raw, yeah. When did we actually start cooking? What's become nowadays like Gordon Ramsay and all the famous chefs, and you know, actually preparing and cooking food, and it, it actually goes way back to seven hundred eighty thousand years ago. Yeah, I imagine it coincides yeah. with the in not invention, is it? The, the discovery of fire, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it's. It's the ability to control fire, would you say? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably yeah. about right. Yeah, and that's you're exactly right. It was the they actually think it was the the first discovery of of when I say humans. Um, it was actually um, Homo erectus <laughs> that they they found an area that that they believe was a community of Homo erectus, but, um, and they they found fish remains um, alongside. The sort of remains of where they'd, there'd been fires. And it was actually the fish teeth that they'd found. Fish don't have teeth. Hmm? <laughs> do fish have teeth? Some of them do. Have you ever seen that fish that's got like dead human-like teeth? Uh, oh, yeah, like piranhas. Yeah, and I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's got like... Yeah, a, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. really weird. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, say that like, yeah, yeah. So, the, but what teeth. they'd... Fish teeth, yeah. Um, but when they tested the teeth, they hadn't been burnt in a fire they'd actually been slow cooked for a period of time and that's when you think there's the first evidence of them actually putting a fish over a fire and using the heat to cook the fish as opposed to burning oh, right. a fish in a fire okay how interesting yeah because it goes way back to seven hundred eighty thousand years ago which is quite a long time ago there was a 2010 study led by natalie monroe at the university of connecticut um, where she actually describes the earliest evidence of an actual feast. Um, so it was a feast was obviously a specially prepared meal that brought people together. Um, and this goes back 12,000 years ago. Wow. So this is when they think that the humans actually first started eating together as a feast. A feast? Did, yeah. did you get any information about what they had at this feast? No. <laughs> no. Apparently it was found in a cave and in the cave they found the remains of one special woman who seemed to be some sort of religious leader. The first feast, they believe, came as an important turning point in human history, right as hunter-gatherers were starting to settle into more permanent living situations. Obviously feasting together was quite a good way for them to start building communities and to reduce tensions now that people started to live closer to each other. All right, all right. So they just get people together and say, look, you're from that tribe, you're from that tribe. Let's have some scran. 
Absolutely, yes. This Mrs. Monroe, she believes that the, the ancient feast served a lot of the same social uses that modern gatherings serve, where they, they exchange information, make connect, make connections, um, and trying to improve their position within the, the community. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, what's the saying? Um, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I think that's... Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. So, yeah, I can understand that. That sounds pretty cool. I yeah. wouldn't like to be at one of those feasts, though, to be honest. I can't imagine what they were eating. Yeah. Um, no. Just some, like, awful... Badgers and stuff. <laughs> Badgers, tripe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> shit like that. Another bit of information I was looking again back to meals is the, the oldest written recipe uh, dates back to 3750 BC. And it's a recipe for mutton stew. Mutton? Mutton's mm-hmm. nice. You had mutton? Mm-hmm, yeah. No, no. It's just lamb, I think. It's just, it's just old, old lamb. Old, sheep, old lamb. <laughs> yeah, sheep. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty tasty. No, I've, ne- I've never eaten it, but... But yeah, so the, the earliest recipe was a stew. Now, stews are quite, you can imagine... Back in the day, they would just stick everything in the pot and heat it up and serve it. So Yeah, well, that's pretty much what you do these days, isn't it, for a stew? Yeah. And another thing I found, there's a thing called bog butter. Have you ever heard of bog butter? Bog or bug? Bog. Like bog butter. Old muddy bogs. Bog butter. Uh, I've not heard of it. It doesn't sound too appealing. Bog butter was something that was um, something they've discovered and it was about 5,000 years old and it was butter hidden in bogs by ancient people though no one's certain why. Ooh. And because basically because Irish bogs, the, the way they are the ancient barrels filled with butter could be preserved so there's because there's no oxygen to cause them to rot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the bog butter that's been found has actually been eaten by people recently that decided right. to try it. They're, and they're all dead now. <laughs> well, it just says they, they described it as tasting somewhat like cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I but can like, imagine. That's, that's quite funny, isn't it? So I, I, I know mm. the thing about the bog, because there like, there's been people who've been found in bogs, haven't they? Like, like the preserved. Preserved in bogs because they've fallen in and then they mm-hmm. don't decompose because of the the nutrients in the bog and mm-hmm. all that. but with butter I mean does butter go off? I think I think it would out in the sunshine and stuff but eventually I mean I suppose in the yeah. Sun, yeah I guess because there was no refriger- refrigeration then I guess mm-hmm. so you can't just pop it in the fridge but my last wee bit about the history of food is the first ever food that was um, what you would call like processed food so in other words, yep. not one thing that was chopped up and cooked um, is bread. It was the first thing that they actually mixed different ingredients together and made made something out of. Um, uh, all right. So, <laughs> yeah. so bread, bread's considered a processed food. A processed food, yeah, because there's a process. See, I think people nowadays always think a processed food is something that's all factory yeah, yeah, like those and... slices of ham that you get, which are really, yeah. really nice, by the way. Like, but yeah. like the full-on salty, like p- perfectly square. Yeah, the you ham know, that you, get... you give to the kids. Yeah, well, you get it in Tesco's for like 20 slices for a quid. Yeah, yeah. That's like processed food in my, in my mind. But yeah, um, bread, wow. I suppose back originally, anything that went through a process to be made, which would be mixing ingredients and letting it rise and putting it in the oven. So so bread dates back to about 30,000 years ago, and they, they reckon that was the first process, the first the first yeah. food that was mixed ingredients. Wow, so, 30,000 years. Yeah. I know, yeah. Um, so that's a wee bit, a wee bit about the, the history of food. I didn't want to do too much because, like I said, food's food. You know, food, food, glorious food, yeah. Yeah, everything that, everything that lives eats food. Although I learned about six months ago that there's these little flies, and I think there's other insects that are the same, that that don't have arseholes because they don't live long enough to need them. Okay. <laughs> Imagine that you're born, you look down, no arsehole. Oh, fuck, I'm not here long. <laughs> yeah. Might as well enjoy Just, myself. Okay. You know, um, what's the guy from uh, Mission Impossible? Set the set the clock. Yeah. <laughs> so James, are there? 
Are there particular foods that you would say are a real favourite of yours? What's your favourite meal? What you know? Um, so I know this is a bit of a cliche, I suppose, but mm-hmm. my favourite meal of all time, and this is probably a death row thing: uh, spaghetti bolognese. Spaghetti bolognese. Well, that that was actually on my list to ask you. So you're going, you're you're getting the electric chair in the morning, and you've got a starter main course dessert. What are you having? Oh God! Right. So main course is spag bol. I just mm-hmm. love it. It's so plain, so simple. It's, it's just I can't I can't go wrong with that. Um, dessert is probably going to like be a banoffee pie, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you like, you know, with the it's got toffee in it, bananas mm-hmm. on it, perfect. I don't really do starters. Um, I don't know, pate. I think like liver pate. pate. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, I think that's me. Cool. Cool. Um, I think if it was me, I like I like a soup. I do what's quite what's like soup. Um, I I one one of my favourite soups is leek and potato. If it's right, Heinz, some... Heinz tomato soup. <laughs> Had that yesterday. <laughs> um, leek and potato soup done right is nice if it's thick and creamy. I think yeah. sometimes they do it really watery and it's a bit of shit. Yeah, I'm not um, sure. About, I'm, I'm not. Partial to soup. Yeah. What do you think about like cheesy soup? Do you like that? You know, like you do like stilton and stuff. Um, sometimes I put little cubes of cheese in my Heinz tomato soup. All right, ja- nice. jazz it up a bit. Yeah, jazz it up. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not a big soup fan really, mm. but uh, each to their own. No, I do like soup. Now, <clears throat> main course. Um, I mean, I absolutely love things like a like a Domino's pizza and stuff like that. But I think if I go. If I really think about it, a proper, like a beef stew. Yeah. Now, like a beef stroganoff. If you had that, that's good. Yeah, something with like like wine in it. Yeah, yeah, that beef and wine, red wine. God, I'm I'm getting hungry. Mashed potato, (laughs) bit of pastry or Yorkshire puddings or something on the side. You know, Uh, we're like kind of making it sound really nice, but I'm death row here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I can't wait to have my meal. Yeah. Um, and then then pudding. Trifle, bird's trifle. Oh god, come on! Proper bird's trifle out of packet. Seriously, yeah. I ate a whole one of them one night. What happened afterwards? Living on my own, I just I made a bird's <laughs> trifle and just ate the whole thing. Were you crying at the time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just sitting in my underpants eating my <laughs> bird's trifle, <laughs> pants and socks. Yeah. Um, mm, come back. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't wasn't very well after eating that. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay, so we, we're rambling on a bit here, aren't we? Um, <laughs> what is the most dangerous food, Fraser? Come on, let's go. The most dangerous food, in my opinion, from the research I've done, um, and, you know, we've talked about stuff that you can actually legitimately order in a restaurant, Yeah. Um, is is a fish called fugu, or puffer fish. Fugu, um, I've heard of this. Fugu, yeah. Um and it's basically it's a, it's a puffer fish. We'll, we'll we'll go on to it in a minute, um, but it's got to be very very specially cut and prepared um, to be to be edible. Um, and uh, if it's not done properly, it is. I'm talking deadly poisonous, like toxic. I think there's like toxic toxic, toxic glands in there. I think. Are you going to yes, come on to this? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, a lot of it's a lot of the fish is toxic. There's more toxic fish than there is fish you can eat. Oh wow. Right, um, so it is a very um, like precision cutting yeah, when yeah. you're when you're preparing it. Absolutely, but we'll we'll come to that in a minute. I just wanted to mention a couple of sort of close kind of runners up in in my research. So the first dangerous food that I came across that that isn't fugu um, is a, a thing called the aki fruit, which is the it's actually the national fruit of Jamaica. Oh, oh yeah, okay, I've heard of this. Yeah, it's a delicious but dangerous treat. Unripe ackee contains a poison called hypoglycin. Um, so the fruit must be fully ripe and open. Uh, it must be fully ripe and allowed to open naturally on the tree before right. it's safely eaten. And apparently, it's, it's when it's ripe, the sides of the fruit, fruit will split. And that's when it's ready to be picked. But what you can't do is pick it before it splits. And then it splits afterwards. It's got to split on the tree to be ready. Because, you know, it says if you actually open an ackee fruit yourself and it's not ripe, 
it is poisonous. Right, okay. Basically, um, when you eat the fruit, you only eat this, um, like the cream-coloured fleshy pulp around the seeds. If you eat any of the pink flesh or the black seeds, they're highly toxic. And improper pre preparation of the ackee fruit can cause serious illness, dubbed the Jamaican vomiting sickness, which can lead to coma or death. God, just don't eat the seeds. Don't eat it at all. But the dish. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, if it's nice, though. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fruit fan, to be honest. But, There's yeah. a lot of nice fruit that doesn't kill you, though. We we talked about this with the cheese, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah. Just have something else. Just yeah. have some, some other fruit. They've made it their national fruit. I've not been to Jamaica, but I imagine there's quite a lot of fruit there with it being a tropical climate. Yeah, well, Jamaica's a bit like that, though, isn't it? It's like, um, it's a bit risque, I think. I so, yeah. You know, just walk down the street and get shot. Well, Eat yeah. some fruit and die. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so that's, that was the ackee, ackee fruit. And I thought that's 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 good, but it's not, that's not, not fugu. We'll talk about fugu. But this one, this one I thought was fantastic. Sanakji. Okay. Sanakji. I'm going to call it. So this is double N A K G. Sanakji. This is coming from like Japan or China, I think, by the sounds of the name. Kinda. Korea. Korea. Not far off. So it's like their mate. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really, no. (laughs) Depends which which part. Yeah, yeah. Sanakji is a Korean dish, right? And it's live baby octopus tentacles. Oh, I have seen this. This yeah. is foul. Like this is it's great. awful what they do. So they get the baby octopus, they cut the tentacles into pieces, season them, and serve them immediately. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and they're still wriggling on the plate, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You got to eat them quickly, right? Yeah. But but the reason it's dangerous is the suction pads still suction after God. you eat, and people you've got to really really chew it. Because when you swallow it, they can suction onto your throat and you can choke to death. And you choke and just suffocate yeah. you. That's insane. Just so, don't have that. Like, weird. But... I know, yeah. Like, I've I've watched sort of videos and seen TV shows on, like, like Japanese, Chinese, and Korean foods. And I, I've watched, I've seen food where one half's cooked, the other half's trying to run away. Yeah, yeah. Like, an octopus that's still alive. Yeah. Don't eat that, you know. Just don't. Like, no, I know. Just fucking cook it for starters. Like, but what? See that wee baby octopus that's getting chopped into pieces while it's still alive. Is that necessary? Couldn't they just stick the knife through its head quickly so it's dead? Yeah, and another thing as well. Like, octopus are like real, really intelligent. Apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. Like so, I've heard. And I don't know. This is a bit contradictory. Going back to what I was saying about just being a meat eater and yeah. eating, eating everything but it's hard to, I don't know when something is that intelligent mm-hmm. and eating it live that's just just insane isn't it like yeah. you know if you want to eat it then cool but mm-hmm. maybe like kill it yeah. so it's not going through it's like when you boil lobsters live like fuck that I just I just don't uh, yeah. I know they were moaning oh, about Saddam Hussein boiling prisoners alive but it's okay to do it to a lobster uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not that much of like a animal rights activist to kind of agree mm. with that point, but <laughs> I see where you're coming from. Yeah, here's here's one rhubarb. Okay, now rhubarb. Obviously, the bit that you eat is absolutely fine. The like the stalk of the leaf. The big red root, yeah. Um, but the the leaves it's the leaves themselves actually contain oxalic acid, um, and consuming too much of that can be fatal. So uh. it, it's mad that you think that something like, I mean, eating like live octopus, you think yeah, it's got to be a bit of danger in that. And but something that that we consume in Britain all the time, and we, you know, I consider us quite a safe country. We don't really eat lots of weird poisonous things and stuff. But rhubarb. I would never have thought could be dangerous, you know? Yeah, we don't eat the leaves, though. And that's... Um, is it subjective? Objective? I don't know. <clears throat> one of the, one of them. Mm-hmm. So people in, like, Japan or 
China and stuff might look at what we eat and go, "Fucking what the fuck are you eating rhubarb, rhubarb for? That's weird. That's awesome. it's, po- yeah. it's poisonous." But yeah, we, I mean, we don't eat the leaves, though. You know, yeah. Someone, some at some point, is eating too many rhubarb leaves and gone, mm-hmm. just yeah, flatlined, and then everyone's gone. Um, yeah, probably, probably don't eat them. Well, it says that they can cause severe pain, cloudy, red, or foul-smelling urine, fever, and chills. So mm, maybe I've eaten some of that. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds like a bad after a bad night out, doesn't yeah. it? This is brain fog. Yeah. <laughs> That's just my life. And on another note, their food's definitely weirder than ours. And do you know what else came up? Have a wee, have a wee guess at what came up when I searched for the most dangerous foods. I reckon somewhere in the world, somebody eats jellyfish. Jellyfish? Yeah. But they're just water, aren't they? Yeah, I know, but somebody eats some, eats them somewhere, I reckon. Probably. So what did you search? The most dangerous foods in the world. Most dangerous foods. Um... No, give up. Casu Marzu. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at it, Casu Marzu, I've heard that before. <laughs> Some <laughs> shit podcast yeah, ages ago. Fucking rank cheese. That was episode two. We were just beginning then. <laughs> well, it was a good podcast. Casu <laughs> Marzu. So that, that actually, you know, that's recognized as one of the most dangerous foods out there. Uh, but then we sort of established it wasn't that dangerous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so that's that's some of the some of the kind of runners up to to fugu, in my opinion. Right, let's do it then. Let's 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 go for it. Deep, let's deep dive. Right, so fugu is the Japanese word for puffer fish, um, and the obviously, like we said, the dish prepared from it can be lethally poisonous. Um, so this isn't, you know, fugu is not you're <coughs> old for a couple of days. This is proper lethal. Yeah. Um, I think um, there was an episode. I don't want to spoil this. There was an episode of The Simpsons, wasn't there? Yeah, where this happened. You might. Are you going to go and say say more about this? I wasn't going to bring up The Simpsons because I feel like I bring up The Simpsons quite often. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just, I've got nothing to do in my life. <laughs> yeah, just briefly. Um, then there was uh, an episode of The Simpsons where yeah. Homer ate some fugu, and he was given twenty four hours to live. I think he was. Yeah, and then he. Uh, Ended up passing out listening to the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone thought he was dead, but he wasn't. He was yeah. Dead. I think that was the first ever Simpsons episode I watched, actually. Really? Yeah, I think so. It was. It's in, like, the first couple of seasons. Yeah, I remember I went down to see my cousin in South Wales, and they had Sky. We're talking late 80s. Yeah. And uh, it was on Sky 1. Channel 6, it was in the old original Sky. Was it? I can't remember. Sky that 1 well. was Channel 6. Yeah, I can't remember that well. And yeah, it's the, it's, and I remember just buzzing off it because it was so yeah. funny and like it was the Simpsons. And we'd I'd known about the Simpsons but never seen it because we didn't have Sky. And then... Yeah, see, my granny had a hooky NTL box. So she used to tape the Simpsons and then post them down. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the um, yeah. But yeah, so Homer, yeah, he eats, he eats fugu and doesn't die. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, the, um, the, the ovaries, intestines, and liver. Are, are the most they've got the most concentrated um, poison in them? A poison called pterodoxin. Terra. Tetradox. You can do it. Tetradoxin. We're so good at these, aren't we? Poison, um, <laughs> which is a neurotoxin that's up to twelve hundred times more deadly than cyanide. Wow. Yeah. Right. This is. Proper shit, this proper shit. Well, cyanide is proper shit, mm. isn't it? But yeah, well, yeah, twelve hundred times more. Um, and it does; it contains it in the skin as well. But obviously, the the highest concentrations in the the, the liver, ovaries, and intestines. Yeah. Um, and basically, uh, the poison. What it does is it's a channel blocker, so it paralyzes all your muscles while you stay fully conscious. But because all your muscles are paralyzed, you stop. You can't breathe. Oh, right. Basically, you die from asphyxiation. So your heart, your heart stops beating, basically. But you're yeah, still con- yeah. you're still conscious while it happens. That's it. Um, and there's no known antidote for it. Um, so what they actually have to do if you 
you know, if you've had the poison and they get a hold of you, they've got to support your respiratory and circulatory systems until the poison wears off. Because they've got to basically pump your heart and breathe for you. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to be quick. Oh, you've got to be quick, yeah. You don't need much of it because a lethal dose is smaller than the head of a pin. Um, And a single fish has enough poison to kill 30 people. Jesus. Yeah. An angry fish. Um, now to actually prepare it, Japanese chefs have got to undergo years of training. Um, it takes takes three years to get your your fugu license, which you've actually got to get from the like the emperor of Japan. Bloody hell! Um, fugu license. Yeah, yeah, your fugu license. This is serious. Um, I mean, um, is, it, is it nice though? Well, you, you, I don't know. You'd, you'd have to think it is. It's like we said, we talked about this with the cheese when you said that the cheese tastes like Stilton. We'll just have Stilton. Yeah, yeah. Is there no like Google reviews to say this is the best fish I've ever had? I, I mean, I'm not even a big fish fan, to be honest. I remember one time I went on holiday with you. I think it was in France. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there was like, I don't know what happened. We were just at, like um, at a restaurant. And I said, to, I said to your dad, like, I was like, oh, no, I'll, I'll have this. It's like, oh, do you not want the fish? I was like, no, I'm not too keen on fish. He was like, what, you, you fucking gay or something? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'm, not, my dad. <laughs> I'm not too, I'm not a big fish fan. I mean, I, I, I can eat it. Yeah. But this, this, like, the, the risk, it's got to be, like, super fish, surely. Like, you know, it's got to, like, taste awesome. Yeah. For, for that risk. I wonder if they do a vegan. Fugu substitute, mm, probably not. But it's—I mean, it's been—it's been eaten in—it's been eaten in, eaten in Japan for two thousand three hundred years. Um, but there was a period between the sixteen hundreds and the eighteen hundreds where they actually—they um, made it illegal to to prepare and eat. You know, obviously, lots of people were dying eating it. Seemed, seemed yeah, yeah. So they put all these provisions in place, and now you need like a, a license that takes three years for you to train to get. Yeah, yeah. And the emperor of Japan is not actually allowed to eat fugu. Um, there's a centuries-old ban right. that the the emperor is not allowed to eat it. Let's <laughs> see much of a risk. So that makes me think if if the the, the risk is there, right? Yeah, yeah. So if he's not going to eat it, or he's not allowed to eat it. Then I'm gonna just say, nah, I'm all right. Like I, I'm gonna take a pass on this fish because clearly, even though that th- there are people well skilled, well trained to do it, there is still that risk there, which means the emperor can't eat it. So, you know, yeah, hmm, yeah, it just it seems pointless, doesn't it? Uh, well. I, I guess so, but is it nice? Is it nice though? Is mm. it tasty? Like what? Again, just have some other fish. It's, that's it's, it. it's, it's a recurring thing. This one that's yeah. not poisonous. It, one that's not poisonous. Have some. Have some mackerel. That's dead nice. I like mackerel. <laughs> so right, statistics. You ready? Do you want to hear hear yeah. some figures, facts, yep. and figures here? Um. So nowadays, so current current sort of years. Um, uh, the, the the Tokyo Bureau of Social Welfare and Public Health indicate 20 to 44 incidents per year on average. Okay. 20 to 44. 20 to 44, yeah. <laughs> Very strange. 20 to 40. 20 to 44. 20 yeah. to 44. Um, and some affecting multiple diners um, of fugu poisoning. Um now, back in the sort of fifties and sixties, um, you were talking more like sort of one hundred and fifty to two hundred people were dying each year from fugu. Um, but they reckon that that a lot of the deaths were actually people trying to prepare it at home. Um, so the actual deaths in restaurants and stuff were were quite a lot lower. Oh, okay. Um, so it's just people taking the risk. Yeah, and that's why they they sort of brought in a fugu license. Um, I've tried to find out. And I, I, it's quite difficult. I don't think you can actually. I don't think you're allowed to just buy fugu in shops anymore. Now, obviously, you can go out and fish for it, 
Um, you can. That's rest where on. all these deaths are coming from. That's people, it. people are scaring. <laughs> oh. I can do that. Yeah. Um, now, like, you know, obviously, you've got to be. You've got to for a restaurant to buy, you'd have to have a licensed chef that's done the three years training. Um, they even have to have a special knife, a special fugu knife. Yeah, right. Um, because the traces of the poison could be on the knife when if they used it for other food. Yeah. So the, the knife's got to be kept separate. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you're looking sort of 50s, 60s, 70s, you're talking 100 to 200 people a year dying from, from eating fugu. Um, but since it's been more regulated, you've still got 20 to, you've still got, you know, 20 to 44 people. Each yeah, year. but, you know, they're idiots, aren't they? They are. Really, yeah. yeah. You know, they've, they've just, they found one and thought, oh, I'll eat that. I think, I'm guessing. Yeah. It, <clears throat> is there any particular reason that you know of as to why it's so poisonous? Is it just some sort of like defense it, mechanism? or No, it's actually, it, it's what it eats. So um, its food contains a lot of toxins that oh, okay. it's become cool. immune to, but they've then settled in its body. Right. Um, it's a little bit like the, you know, the arrow frog. Yeah. Um, the, I think that eats a lot of insects, which causes its toxicity. Um, right. So okay. it's, the, it's what the fugu eats that, that gives it this, it its this toxin within its body. Right? Yeah, because it's actually, it's a terrible defense because you'd have to eat it to die which is pointless yeah yeah that makes sense i suppose you want something that, you know yeah you know would, would deter the that's um, it what's the word deter the, the mm-hmm. attacky it's actual defense is it's puffer thing where it puffs up and people go shit that's actually really yeah, big. Yeah. you look small um, have you seen him? Have you seen like? Have you seen? I suppose when you were doing your research on this, you must have looked. Yeah, I've seen them. They, they're they just like weird things, aren't they? Blobby, ugly kind of fish, but yeah. they can puff up and just looks really weird. But they can yeah. be puffed up outside of water as well, which is weird. Yeah. But I thought that the the puffing thing was water. They just ingest water and it kind of inflates. Yeah, them. there's. I think they can do it with air as well because I saw one yeah. getting prepared and it was puffed up and they were kind of waiting for it to die and it's a bang, yeah, <laughs> pop it. <laughs> so yeah, just a couple of wee wee cases of people people dying from it. And um, one of the most va- famous victims was the Kabuki actor and living national treasure Bando Mitsuguri the Eighth who in 1975 died after eating four servings of fugu chemo, which is the fugu liver, which we read earlier was one of the most toxic parts of it. The sale of which was prohibited by local ordinances at the time. Bando claimed to be able to resist the poison, but died died several hours after returning to his hotel. Um, Say that, sorry. So he... (laughs) He claimed... Just the end bit, yeah, yeah. So he claimed... Bando claimed to be able to resist the poison, but died several hours after oh, the his hotel. Says <laughs> him right. Good. I'll be fine, me. I can eat that shit. Yeah, I just felt the world get a bit lighter. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm immune. <laughs> Give me more. Dead. Good. World's another wanker shot. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in, in August 2007, a doctor in Thailand reported that unscrupulous fish sellers sold puffer meat disguised as salmon, which caused 15 deaths over three years. Oh, that's not good, is it? And about 115 people were taken to different hospitals. Now, Mm. I've seen fugu. I was going to say. And I've seen salmon. Salmon's very distinctive, isn't it? Yeah, they look very different. (laughs) I mean, salmon is very pink. Yeah. Now, Um, I don't eat fish, I don't like fish, and I know that over in Thailand and a lot of that part of the world, that fish is a massive part of their diet. Yeah, yeah. And if they can't tell the difference between salmon and fugu, then they probably deserve to, to poison, uh, really. Yeah, no, no one really, <laughs> yeah. No, apart from that guy, he deserves to die. But, I mean, if you're doing it by accident... Yeah, yeah. that's true. But still, mm. like you say, you should be... Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I won't go down, down that road. <laughs> I just think... Yeah, anyway. Yes, we got in, in February 2009, a Malaysian fisherman died and four others were hospitalised after they consumed a meal of puffer fish when they ran out of food whilst at sea. 
So imagine that you're starving at sea, you throw your fishing rod in, you pull out a fugu. All the fish that you can eat in the sea. Yeah. That's just unlucky. I think. One. Yeah. That's unlucky, yeah. I I'd probably do the same thing. If I was starving and he just pulled up a fish, you'd be like, Yeah, just just munch it. Give it I, a go, I, yeah. I'm hungry, so can't blame him there. No, no. In November 2011, a chef at two Michelin star restaurant Fugu Fukuji in Tokyo was suspended for serving fugu liver to a customer who, despite being warned of the risks, specifically asked that it be provided. The 35-year-old customer subsequently required hospital treatment uh, for pterodoxin paralysis. And how many Michelin stars has he got now? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think he's got any more. I can guess. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of the, the same a lot of the same stories. Five men poisoned a restaurant after specifically asking for the liver. Yeah, so um, just don't eat the fucking liver, like, you know. That's it, that's it. Just, just stay away from that bit. Do you think there's, again, I think we did this on cheese, this mm-hmm. kind of prestige thing where it's like, yeah, I'm going to do that because it's so rare, it's so unusual. I, I, I want it. Yeah, it's kind of... There's a prestige, and I think there's just an also... I just want to try it because it's dangerous. There's the risk element, yeah, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. It's like jumping out of an airplane and parachuting, base jumping. There's that kind of excitement that it's risky. Yeah. You know? Um, I think there's that, and there's, like you said, a prestige. This posh restaurant, this guy's trained for three years to cut up this fish for you to eat. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of that about it. Yeah, I think there's I probably agree. more of that than it actually tastes really nice. I I'd be interested. I would wouldn't mind trying it, like mm-hmm. not the safe bit. Just see, but it can't like all fish kind of tastes a bit similar. Tastes like fish. It tastes fishy, yeah. basically. So I can't imagine that it's got some distinctive um, like taste or like personality that other fish doesn't. I imagine it's just a bit salty and a bit meaty, like all fish. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's something more to it, like why these people would choose to yeah. to, to eat the, the, most, the most riskiest thing on the menu. Absolutely. Now, that, that I mean, that's that's my information about fugu. And I, when I, I had a lot of thought about it, and like I said, there's a lot of dangerous foods out there. I think one of the things to me that, that made it even more dangerous is your life's in someone else's hands. There's a lot of sort of trust that you go to a restaurant and order this, that the guy that cuts it up knows what he's doing. You know, and there's, when you're actually eating it, are you 100% sure that the poisonous bit's been cut out? Well, that's why they've got um, the certificates, haven't they, I well, suppose? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, basically, a degree's worth, you know, because you go to uni, you do three years. It's essentially this... It's a three-year course, so it's like having a degree in cutting up this fish. Which... Absolutely, but pilots crash planes sometimes, don't they? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's always that element of risk there. I mean, yeah. how long can it take? Three years <laughs> to learn how to cut this fish. Like, surely that's a weekend, isn't it? Like, you know, you what, they, so, what yeah. do they do? I bet it costs a fortune to do as well. Probably. And it's run by the government. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just like I mean, it's going to cost you twenty-five thousand pounds to do this, mm-hmm. and it takes three years. You know, it's, it, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, you know, you can learn to be a doctor in what, four or five years? Yeah, yeah, three yeah. Three years, cutting cutting fish. three years, learn how to cut this yeah. fish up. There's only so many, oh, you know, what's a degree know. in law, three years? Uh, a bit more than that. Well, yeah, mm. the actual degree is three years. Yeah, the actual degree. So that's, that's Fugu. I've got a couple of wee stories that I, I looked up. I always like to see a couple of funny deaths. <laughs> a couple of other food-related deaths. We've got here Sir Francis Bacon, who was the former British Lord Chancellor. I've he heard died, of him, yeah. yeah. He died in 1626 of pneumonia, which he contracted while stuffing a chicken with snow to test a theory about its preservative properties. Alright. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Because, like, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, that that's that's all. That's all I've got. So we got. What did he get cold? Get in the snow, or that's a yeah. He must. What's that got to do with fish? (laughs) It's it's just a food-related death. The guy was like stuffing his chicken with snow and died. What? That's got nothing to do with anything. Here we go. Right. Francois Vatel in 1671, after a shortage of roasted meat and a fog that prevented a firework display to honour King Louis XIV of France, <clears throat> the matry of the hotel supposedly committed suicide upon learning that he did not have enough fish to feed his guests. This is going to get cut. What? <laughs> <laughs> so somebody killed themselves because there wasn't enough fish? He didn't have enough fish to feed his guests, so he killed himself. That's... Where have you got this stuff from? <laughs> right, we'll try again. King Adolf Frederick of Sweden. You've heard the expression, too much of a good thing. Well, King Adolf Frederick is supposedly remembered by Swedish schoolchildren as the king who ate himself to death. He died in 1771 after consuming a meal consisting of lobster, caviar, sauerkraut, kippers and champagne, which was topped off with 14 servings of his favourite dessert. But off your pie? No. Sem... Sem... Semla. <laughs> semla served in a bowl of hot milk. What? Semolina? Just Semla. S-E-M-L-A. Yeah. Like, How you 14 that? servings. What is it, though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Could be anything. <laughs> I mean, it's still a bowl of hot, hot milk. That's 14 bowls of hot milk. Well, yeah, but it, uh, we need a bit more context here. Like, what? Could be a little bowl. It could be a little bowl. It could be anything. What is it? <clears throat> I threw this bit together this afternoon. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> here we go. Basil Brown, the health advocate, died in 1974. This is a health advocate. Okay, right. Telling you how to be healthy. He died after drinking 10 gallons of carrot juice during a period of 10 days. I bet is... he went orange. Do you remember when those kids were drinking all, those sunny, all that sunny day? They went orange. <laughs> I remember actually. Yeah, yeah that's definitely what happened to it. Yeah. Um, well, apparently it was ten thousand times the recommended daily allowance of vitamin A. Yeah. Mm. And he died from that. He died, yeah. And last but not least, Bernard Lussol, a she- a chef who tragically took his own life in two thousand and three, not long after supp- supposedly confiding to a friend that he would do just that if he lost a Michelin star, which he did. That's a shame. So he lost a Michelin star and killed himself. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that's sad. If anyone's having mental health issues, then there are people that you can speak to. Just yeah. To throw that yeah out there. Definitely. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Speak to someone. Absolutely. If nothing else, things change. So that that's 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 my food. That was. But Fugu, what do you think? Fugu. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think we mentioned at the, this, at the start that this will be perhaps a part one because mm-hmm. I think there's other areas to explore in this. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's very interesting. I would like to try it one day, I think, mm-hmm. if it was kind of like safe. I don't know, because you can't really say, oh, yeah, I'll try it if it's safe because it's not. Because, well, yeah, because it's really dangerous. But it sounds like the liver bit is the worst bit. Just don't eat that bit. Yeah. Maybe have like a bit off the side or something. If know. you 100% knew it was safe, would it take away the adventure of eating it? Yeah, it would, absolutely. Would it just make it a normal fish? Yeah. Did you see how much it costs? Did you have a look at the price? I did, but it costs $29 per pound. But that meant nothing to me. To be honest, no. I don't think the fish itself is particularly expensive, but I think to have it cut and prepared in a restaurant is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the skill involved. Like, we've, yeah, we've touched on this before, haven't we? It's the skill involved to prepare it, and that's where the, the money goes because that's it. The, the chefs are well paid. That the people, the chefs that prepare this, are will be pretty well paid to go through that that journey of training to, mm-hmm. to, be able to prepare this. Then, so I sort of for free, do they? There's going to be some sort of remuneration. Absolutely. At the end, so 
So yeah, so like a prepared meal of fugu is round about the sort of hundred pounds a plate mark. Right. Okay. So the the fish itself's not particularly expensive, but prepared and on your plate it is. Or you yeah. can cut it up yourself and take the risk. So if there's anybody out there who uh, wants to donate me, who wants to pay for me to eat a plate of this fish, hmm. email in. What's the email again? James and Fraser Pod at gmail dot com. Right. Okay. I'm willing to take that risk. I think I'd like mm-hmm. to give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. Cut, cut that out. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. That's fascinating. Very interesting. Thank you very much. No problem. I, I was. It was quite interesting researching it this afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to do food because you mentioned the Simpsons episode, and I always remember that. Homer with the, the fugu. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I kind of thought we will do more on food. Uh, I think so. It's one of those subjects where we can't just contain it into yeah. one single thing. So I think we will pick up right. and maybe do a part two, three, four, five, maybe. Um, Absolutely. But as, as a starter, I think this is this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly with the... What I found, found most interesting is the actual skill involved and having mm-hmm. to go on this course and be have a certificate to actually prepare oh, yeah, yeah. this this type of fish. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing that, that I liked about it is this is something that you can go and sit down in a restaurant and order, and it's deadly poisonous if it's done wrong. Yeah. You know, Just like we said, it. this isn't going into the Amazon rainforest and chewing on roots and eating weird things. This is like something that People go every day and go and sit in a restaurant and have some fugu, please. And have them that, yeah. And take that chance. Very strange. I mean, yeah. I would like to try it just to, I'm quite interested. Mm. But um, yeah, excellent. Thank you very much, Fraser, for your time and your effort. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, oh, we'll leave it there, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Um, and remember, we've, we said this last week, um, please, 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 if you enjoy our podcasts, please subscribe, share, tell your friends, spread the word. Yeah, and, and give us likes or something. I think that, that helps, does it? Likes, yeah, I think. Likes, likes. and reviews, stuff yeah. like that. I don't know. I'm not tech savvy. You just we, click we're the button. Then. You kids sort it out. Yeah. Five stars, that's all you need to know. And then <laughs> up thumb. That's yeah. where it, that works. Yeah, the thumb pointing upwards. Click not, that one. Not the upwards one. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's been it's been a pleasure, James. I'll speak to you soon. I'll see you next week. All right. That's been the most dangerous podcast, and it was food part one. Bye bye. <laughs>